Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you are listening to Something to Wrestle With with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? I'm a little bit cranky. Just a, just a little bit cranky right now, Conrad. Well, let's talk about it. Uh, everybody likes to hear you get fired up and, as I call it, half hot. So uh, what's got no, Bruce? I'm all the way hot. I'm no. all the way hot this time. I'm all the way up. All right, catch everybody up. What's going on? Well, you know, I, I, I had the pleasure of spending some time with Conradison over the last 10, 12 days. And it can be exhausting (laughs) to say the least, to say the least. And, and, you know, there, as you know, uh, we're not going to share everything with everybody, but you know, it's, it's exhausting. We do an awful lot of work and get an awful lot of things done. But on my flight home, I, I, I flew Delta, which I I love. I'm a big fan of Delta. They're going to be hooking me up this weekend. Thank you for all you do. Delta. Yeah, well, you know what? Delta can kiss my ass. Oh, coming in hot. Okay? Because, you know, I, I, I went I went on Delta, and I flew Delta. I flew from Huntsville, Alabama, a beautiful little airport right there in the south, uh, to Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia, Houston hobby. And I was getting, I was going to take my bag on. I wanted to carry my bag on along with my briefcase. And they said, well, you know, with the first flight, it's going to be a real small plane. You might want to check that bag. And I thought, what the hell? You know, come on, man. What could, what could go wrong? I'll oh, check my no. bag. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And again, after this exhausting trip, I, I get home. But but I'm a, what you call a classic insomniac. I would agree with that. You have a routine. I've seen it. Uh, and, it's kind of interesting. And I don't sleep. So for those of you who don't know what that is, I, I don't sleep. I don't sleep well. And I have to take medication to go to sleep. Or have, otherwise, I just don't sleep. Have you tried watching TNA? I have, and that keeps me up all night. Okay. So I don't know if it's the nightmares or what, but nonetheless, I get home, I unpack my bag and it's time to go night, night. And I go in to get my nighttime medication that I had put in my bag that I was going to carry on that I inadvertently checked because it was suggested to me by the gate agent there at Delta. 
And I go into a zippered compartment where I had a pouch with a, another bag that had my medication in it. And I go to get my uh, medication to help me go to sleep at night. And I pick up the bottle, and it's extremely light. And I go to open it, and it was filled on July 28th. And so I should have at least uh, 30 days because I, I had 30 pills. And much to my extreme pissed offness, wow. my bottle of um, sleeping medication was empty. So someone at Delta, that's D-E-L-T-A dot com, Delta Airlines, um, helped themselves to my sleeping medication. But they had to go through my bag. They had to go through my bag. They had to get into my stuff and actually know what the hell they were looking for. And as Jim Cornette would say, they stole my shit. So. Um, I love the impression there. Um so technically, your medication did go Delta, uh, didn't ever leave the airport. So I haven't slept. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a little bit grumpy, but hey, nonetheless, man, you know, we're, uh, we're doing okay. It's all a wonderful, beautiful day. So do you want to give a plug for dream water? I do like dream water, dream water, but it's not, it just doesn't do the trick on its own. That's not how you sell gimmicks when you don't want your gimmicks. That's not selling. how I sell gimmicks. But you know what? Dream Water does work wonders and it's a <laughs> wonderful product. And My God, if anybody out there is listening, I drink Dream Water every night and I endorse it. That's true. I'm not getting paid for that. What the hell am I doing? That's what I'm saying. Uh, you got me uh, some Dream Water. You got Dave Milliken some Dream Water. Uh, you have, you've got Dream Water sweeping Alabama and Tennessee now. So if you're listening, Dream Water, uh, we'd love to have you here on the Bruce Pritchard Show. You damn right we would. Hell, I'd I'd like to have my prescription back, Delta. Okay. But you can wish in one hand and take a big crap in the other and see which one fills up first, and I'm left with a handful of crap. Speaking of crap, this is gonna be fun, man. What happened when the Lex Express on the other side? Coming up next week, the Ultimate Warrior. Tell your friends, leave us a review, hit the subscribe button. It's my favorite part of the show and yours. We get to uh, sit under the proverbial learning tree of Mr. Bruce Pritchard. And ask an old question about the good old days of the golden era of the WWF or the Attitude Era. He was there for all of it. Uh, Today, this is kind of a fun one. Bruce, what happened when Lex Luger came to the WWF? Did the Narcissist, did the Les Express, and showed up on Nitro? Was he supposed to win the world title at WrestleMania and then didn't? Lots of rumors about what happened, what didn't happen, the body slam... The SummerSlam main event that he didn't win the belt. What happened when Lex Luger went to New York? Well, you know, when Lex originally came into New York, he came in, came into New York when he first went to work for Titan Sports. Lex came in as a co-host of a program called Body Stars that was promoting the WBF, which was a bodybuilding federation that Vince had started. And Lex was under contract to WCW, and his contract prevented him from wrestling for any competing wrestling company, specifically the WWF at the time. So when Lex came in, Lex came in under contract to the WBF, and he came in as an announcer, not a competitor, not a talent per se, as a co-host for the WBF Body Stars. And in that time, 
Uh, Lex obviously was going to work his time on Body Stars before he began his WWF career as a wrestler as Lex Luger. And on his way there, he had a motorcycle accident. And Lex had reconstructive surgery in his forearm, and it kind of delayed plans for Lex to make his wrestling debut. But so when, that, that really was a workaround, am I right? The WBF thing, that was a workaround for his Crockett contract where he wasn't allowed to perform for another wrestling company or something? A workaround sounds so shady. It was simply obeying the laws of the you're, contract and that he was not ear. able to wrestle for a competing wrestling organization, but there was nothing in the contract that prevented him from competing as a bodybuilder, being a co-host on a television show. You make it sound so devious. I wish you could see the evil, evil smile on Bruce Pritchard's face right now as he tells that story that even he himself doesn't believe. He is, uh, his, his spin cycle is out of control. It's not a matter of belief. It's the truth. It's what actually took place and what actually happened. And, and Why Lex, don't you just say it was a workaround? Just say it was a workaround. It wasn't, or it was yes, simply it obeying the contract and okay. obeying the law. All right. So really the goal in trying to sign the guy is to just stick it to Crockett, take one of the top guys they've pushed really hard for a long time, get him on your TV and use a workaround to do it. He screws all that up and hurts his arm. Now what? Listen to what you said. We're going to screw Crockett by taking Lex Luger. Why else, really? would you, why else would you sign him to go pose for a failing bodybuilding competition? Come on, you don't work there anymore. Tell the truth. What's wrong with I you? Think, I think J.J. Dillon said it best when he said that Lex Luger is the finest example of potential that was never actually realized. And, you know, yeah, Lex was a talent. Lex was a big name at WCW. And the opportunity came for Lex to come over. So he came over and there were big plans for Lex. Lex had the body type. Lex had the look that obviously was big at that time. Um, the only thing Lex really lacked was personality. Did he come in with a bigger contract than most of the boys in the WWF locker room at the time? Well, when Lex came, when Lex came in, as the WBF commentator, Lex did have a contract that had a dollar amount attached to it. When Lex switched over to a wrestling contract, he was on a contract like everybody else that didn't necessarily have a guarantee other than opportunity. So you're saying there was no heat from the locker room when he came over on that WBF? There was perceived heat. Yeah, yeah there was heat. There was big time heat because everyone perceived that for Lex to come over, he had to come over for guaranteed money. He had to come over for a big guarantee. Well, he did. For the WBF. He came over for the WBF. Yeah, all those guys, all the WBF guys had heat because they were being paid pretty uh, good. Big money. They were being paid big money in comparison to the guys that were working every night in the ring on the road, busting their humps and not making a lot of money at the time. So, you know, take a stab. What do you think his WBF number was? God, I have no idea. More than 250? No. So he would have been taking a pay cut. He was making more than that at Crockett. Well, it depends on how you look at it, because at the at the end of that rainbow was a WWF deal where the potential was unlimited and where he had an opportunity to make a lot more money if he got over. So was there any question when he got hurt 
as to the legitimacy of the injury or no? Oh, God, no, no. He he had reconstructive surgery on his forearm. I mean, he had plates and uh, a lot of screws, and he messed himself up. So now that he's back, uh, he's he's in good health now. Uh, he's <laughs> had the arm fixed. Well, he's back anyway. Um, okay. You know, the, the idea <laughs> was to bring Lex in as a heel. Uh-huh. The narcissist. If, if you spend more than five, ten minutes around Lex, you – Got a very narcissistic vibe from him. Back then, not anymore. Present day Lex Luger is an amazing man. I'm sure he is. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Super great guy. Can't say enough nice things about him. We're talking about Lex 25 years ago. Yes, Lex 25 years ago was a different human being. Yeah. And he had a very narcissistic vibe, which helped with the name The Narcissist. Sure. And came in as a heel and uh, purple and silver trunks, and they had tassels on him and everything in his first program was with Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. And Lex is the kind of guy that stares at himself in the mirror in real life for, you know, 20, 30 minutes and every little imperfection he has to correct and so on and so forth. And Kurt Hennig was the kind of guy that would take those idiosyncrasies and exploit them. And he would, Kurt would mess with you big time. And so every night that they worked, Kurt would just pull off one tassel <laughs> off of Lex's trunks. One piece of one tassel. One tassel. He would just reach and he would grab one tassel. And you just said, got it. And Lex would come back and look at his ass and look around. And where do you get that tassel from? Where do you, uh, you know, you're messing up my trunks. You're messing up my gear. He had tassels all over the place. Nobody could tell. But Kurt made it a point to get one tassel every match, every night, and it drove Luger crazy. That's amazing. Kurt, Kurt would say things, you know, like, oh, you, you didn't work out today? Oh, bummer, man. And Lex, what, what do you mean I didn't work out today? And look at himself in the mirror and go, no, man, I, I, work, I worked arms. And, uh, you know, just pose in the mirror and go, why, why doesn't he think I worked out today? Kurt had a way of really messing with people, and he he exploited a big time with Lex, and and the narcissist came in, and I would have to say that the reaction was maybe lukewarm. Are you, are you saying from the fans or the boys? Yes. Well, God, from everybody, but uh, again. <laughs> I, I say this a lot. You know, this should be my hashtag. Then that damn bell has to ring. And Lex, you know, wasn't the greatest in range performer. Ding dings. And uh, so, yeah, Lex came in and, and the narcissist deal and the whole heel persona. I don't know that it necessarily was getting over. And at the same time, we had this giant Yokozuna. So let me ask you before you switch gears there. Mm-hmm. I've always been curious about this. A lot of people can't spell the narcissist, especially wrestling fans. I am a wrestling fan, so I'm allowed to say that because I'm disparaging myself. Whose idea was the narcissist? Do you remember sitting around a table and somebody says, damn, pal, let's call him the narcissist. What was the, what's the thought? You there? were there. Okay, is that really what it was? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a flashback, baby. All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm transported back in time. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. 
you know that's that's how it would go sometimes but uh, i'm pretty sure that was a uh events deal it was an idea from the top and so when vince says that do you guys pile on with let's put fringe on him and let's do the mirrors or did he come with he already have all that when he pitched it the mirror no the mirrors was something that we kind of came up with because Again, you hang around with Lex for more than 10 minutes. He's sure. going to find a mirror. He's going to find a reflection somewhere. And he looked like a Greek god. Right. So, I mean, he, he had something to look at, I guess. But um, And this you know. is around WrestleMania 9 when he's coming yes. in because that's where he worked perfect um, at WrestleMania 9. So uh, time passes, and now there's the thought of, hey, this narcissistic thing is kind of uh, – Lukewarm at best, I think is the way you said it. So there's a decision made to kind of switch gears. Do you, or how does that decision come about where you guys decide to flip him? Well, Hulk could come back and Hulk came back for a very short time. He came back at WrestleMania nine and then Hulk did a European tour and Hulk wasn't sticking around at that point. Hulk was Hulk was gone. He was going to take an extended leave of absence. You, you brought it up. I got to ask about WrestleMania nine. I, that's the first wrestling pay-per-view, WrestleMania pay-per-view I didn't get in a while as a kid. My friend gets the pay-per-view. We talk afterwards. So, hey, man, uh, Bret Hart, Yokozuna, who's the champ? Hulk Hogan. Wait, what? How did that work? <laughs> to carry us back behind the scenes. Hogan shows up that day with a black eye. Hogan somehow leaves with the belt in a match that featured Bret Hart and Yokozuna. What really happened? Well, what really happened was, I mean, it was the idea all along. The idea was to get the title on Hogan so that Hulk could go on the European tour as the champion and work with Yokozuna every night. And I believe Hulk and Vince really felt strongly that Hulk needed to be the champion for that European tour. And you said Hulk and Vince. Yes. Brad at times has given all that heat to Hulk. You're saying that was a Vince call too, and maybe he just pushed some of the heat onto Hogan? Everything that everything that is decided there, guys, I mean, everybody is decided. I mean, it's ultimately Vince is going to say yes or no. Do you feel like Hogan would have lobbied for that? Or is that something Vince would have approached? I guess that's the way, what I'm trying to get to the heart of is, you know, when that match is announced, does Hogan see it on TV and say, oh, yeah, I need to get the belt here? You know, uh, going back, I know that the idea when it was pitched to us was pitched by Vince. Okay. So I I don't know that Hulk didn't necessarily have a conversation with Vince prior to that, saying, hey, brother, this is what I need to do. That idea was pitched to us from Vince. What about what Brett? if we did this to help the European tour with Hulk, Hulk as champion? What was Brett's uh, feelings at the show? Do you recall? Yeah, Brett was hurt. I mean, Brett had this run with the championship. He knew he was dropping the title to Yoko. So that was the and, original plan was to drop it to Yoko. Yes. So th- that would have been at the time, the first time a heel left with the belt. Am I right? At Correct. WrestleMania? Yes. Um, yes. but somehow he finds out the day of about Hogan or would he have found up the weekend of, or a week before, or do you have any idea? I want to say he found out that weekend. To be exact, I, I don't really remember, but he, he didn't obviously know. I believe he knew before that day. And he was visible. He, was, he wasn't happy about it. He, yeah. You know, he <laughs> he had worked his butt off to become champion, and then all of a sudden, 
it's he doesn't just lose the title to Yoko, but then somebody else steps in in the hero role and walks out with the title and and everything that Brett had done was just kind of tossed aside, I think, in Brett's eyes. Would you have classified how would you classify business with Brett as champion? Up, down, not different. At, at that point? Yes. Neither. I'd I'd say it was flat. Okay. That's what business overall was flat at that point in time. I didn't want to put words in your mouth, uh, but I wanted you to, you know, kind of carry us through there. So the thing about Hogan at WrestleMania nine that sticks out besides the main event is the black eye. That has to be the talk of the locker room. True or false? Not really. I mean, it's just, he showed up, he and uh, beefcake had been out on jet skis or wave runners or whatever. And got hit in the eye with a, a jet ski that's, and got rushed to the hospital. That's legit. That's legit. Yeah. So none of the rumors and innuendo about what are the rumors? Now, see, now you're telling me something new. What are the rumors? Well, there's talk online. Oh, well then it's probably, that's probably true then. Yeah. So there's, t- I love you. So there's talk online that, uh, that's when macho man confronted him about Elizabeth going and staying with Hogan and his wife for a while and not telling Macho. And I don't know when that when that occurred. But Macho Man but did not put the black eye on him. Macho didn't put the black eye on him, no. Okay. All right, cool. No. All right, well, that's a boring story. So let's switch Sorry. back. Okay, so we're through. Uh, Hogan is the back The truth now. is usually a lot more boring. Yeah, I'm learning that with this story in particular. I just went on a tangent that fucking <laughs> You're the nowhere. one that went off, and I was talking about Lex. I was getting to the exciting Lex Express. Well, we couldn't just skip over WrestleMania 9 because it was just a crazy end to uh, WrestleMania that we hadn't seen at that point. Uh, okay, so now Hogan's back. He's the champ. He's doing the European tour with Yoko. Uh, Luger is, is leaving, being the narcissist. And well, Hulk's leaving. So we have a, a new champion in Yokozuna. I believe we crowned him at King, King of, of the, the Ring, Ring in June. Yep. And we needed a baby face. We needed a new fresh baby face. And Lex was, you know, Lex was the anointed one. Lex was the guy that was going to take us to the mountaintop. And we came up with this idea. You got a 500-pound Yokozuna sumo wrestler who, at that point in time, really hadn't left his feet. Right. It's new. Like, you know, he won the Rumble. He was, you know, we protected Yoko pretty well. So it came up with the Body Slam Challenge on the 4th of July on the Intrepid in New York City. And the idea was was that we would bring in people from all different uh, sports, football, what have you, to come in and try bodybuilders and all these people to come in and try to body slam the 500-pound Yokozuna. And Yoko was celebrating his victory of the WWF championship on America's celebration of independence on 4th of July on the United States battleship, the USS Intrepid. And nobody could slam Yoko. And by God, after Yoko declared victory in the skies up above, a helicopter, military military helicopter comes flying in, lands on the deck of the Intrepid, 
in in red, white, and blue, stepping from that helicopter comes America's only hope. By God, it's Lex Luger. Luger makes his way to the ring and body slams the evil Japanese tyranny known as Yokozuna and all is right again in the world. So I feel like that is pretty much how it was pitched in the mating. Is that what you were going for? Well, hell yeah. I mean, that was a beautiful pitch, don't you think? I mean, it makes sense. So let me uh, let me just totally throw a monkey wrench in everything you're doing again, and you're going to hate me for this. Was the plan for Hogan to drop the belt two months later when y'all put it on him at WrestleMania? Was that always the plan, just put him on it, put him in the title long enough yes. for the European tour? Yes. So it wasn't like, hey, brother, my payoff was down. I'm out of here. It was already discussed. You're dropping the king of the ring. No, it, it was discussed. From day one, win the title at WrestleMania, drop the title after the European tour, and I'm gone. I'll put the big man over and get him over like a million bucks. And that there was no sort of, there was no dispute. That all went according to plan. This Mother's Day and Father's Day, look no further for the perfect gift than paintyourlife.com. It's worked for me every time, and when I say every time, I mean it. I've used paintyourlife.com to bring tears to the eyes of my mom, my dad even my father-in-law. And right now I'm ordering one for my mother-in-law all from painterlife.com. My mother-in-law's life is her dog, Missy. And this year, my wife and I knew exactly what to get my mother-in-law for mother's day, a painting of Missy. It really is that simple too. All we needed was a, a picture from our phone. Boom. We're up and running. You see painterlife.com can really create a hand painted portrait to fit almost any budget. And it's the perfect gift for your mother, your father, or both. I've used it, as I said, on almost every person in my life. I've given these to my wife. I've given it to my cousin, my mom, my dad, my father-in-law. If I'm looking to give a truly meaningful, personable gift, I know the paintyourlife.com has my back. And they're going to make it easy. You can go ahead and start the entire process in less than five minutes. And what's really cool about paintyourlife.com is they can even combine photos Maybe you want to put two people who never met in one of your favorite vacation spots. You can do that. Just upload the photos. Bam. You're good to go. Maybe grandpa never got to meet his grandson. Paintyourlife.com. That can become a reality. You can put people and places together. Even if they've never been there, you pick the artist, you pick the medium. Do you want oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even go ahead and pick out an awesome frame. The whole process to get started, as I said, takes less than five minutes and you can actually get your painting in as little as two weeks, but you work hand in hand with the artist to get every detail. Perfect. If you're looking to get those waterworks going to have your mom or your dad tear that paper and just almost be overcome with emotion, that's what I got. And I've never gotten that reaction to a gift card. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. There's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. Now, to get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 87204. That's WRESTLE to 87204. Text WRESTLE to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah. Do you remember who the photographer was who threw the flame? I think it was a foreign photographer, but no, it was Harvey Whippleman. That's what I, that's what I hoped you said. Uh, why, why did all of Hogan's finishes back then have these screwy finishes? Did he demand them, or did Vince want to protect him? Oh, God, Vince wanted to protect him, big time. Okay. Even at this point, uh, I believe that would be his last WWF performance for many years. Is that right? I believe so, yeah. Was there any discussion that, hey, that's it, he's gone for good, or no? No, I think that at the time he wanted to do the uh, Thunder in Paradise. I think he had the syndicated show going and a few movie deals, and he just wanted to go do the acting thing for a while. So there was always in the back of our mind that oh, he'll be back. Okay. So the talk of, and this is all online, so you're going to crap on it and say it's all wrong. The talk is Luger was supposed to be the next Hogan. He was supposed to replace Hogan as far as the big, you know, powerful, blonde haired, all American hero that the void was now there where Hogan left. Was that the plan or was there ever any internal discussion of, He's our new Hogan. No, it wasn't. He's our new Hogan, but yes, he, he was, we, we threw everything behind Luger. I mean, he was going to be the next, he was going to be the next guy and, you know, dress him up in red, white, and blue and by God, Americana and destroying the evil Japanese menace. that was Yokozuna doing it on America's birthday. You know, the, the other side plot to that was it was 107 degrees on the 4th of July that year. People were dropping on the Intrepid from the heat. Wow. It was, it was horrendous. And the other funny, you know, kind of side story was, as I said, 107 degrees on the deck when Yokozuna and Fuji got into the ring that day. The ring had been sitting out on the oh, deck all they, morning long. How'd their feet feel? Well, Yoko kicks off his flip-flops and stands there, and he's like, oh, my God. It's And he starts doing a dance because his feet are burning. He goes back to go get his flip-flops, and Fuji kicked him off the side of the ring. I love it. <laughs> so Yoko had to stay there the whole time barefoot. And it, yeah, it was incredible. It was incredible. But you know, the idea at that time, yeah, Lex was the guy. We were going with Lex to SummerSlam, and and the original idea was Lex goes to SummerSlam and and becomes champion, beating Yokozuna. And he does it in cowboy boots, and could have easily slipped and ruined it all, but he didn't. And he got him up, and I guess we'll call it a body slam. So now. It's time to go ahead and push him to the moon as a baby face. Whose idea is the Lex Express, and how does this come about? This seems like it's at the top of the list of bad ideas. Oh, come on. Great idea. Awesome idea. Excellent idea. 
And the guy that came up with it, a gentleman by the name of Bob Collins, and it was a great idea. Same guy that came up with the idea for the blimp, the WWF blimp that we took all over the country. That was cool, too. But um, as far as the, the Lex Express and and getting us there, at the time, I want to say it was George Bush Sr. was doing a tour across the country on a train. He was doing a, a train stop, and he was on a train and stopping at all these little small towns all along the way and meeting people and, and doing this stuff. He had done it the it, year before, maybe. Maybe it was the year before. Yeah, because this is 93, and Clinton was in office then. God forbid. So anyway, um, they, that was the, that was basically the, the, the plan that we get, you know, we do, we talked about a train, talked about different things. And we said, well, what if we did a bus? And the idea behind the bus was, was that you load up the bus, Lex travels and lives on the bus and the bus goes coast to coast, hits every live event. And in between the bus stops at, Cable stations, local cable stations, local newspapers, ball games in different places. All of his off days were to be on the bus. And it was going to be a real grassroots type promotion. Right. Where the Lex Express is coming to town, by God, you get your chance. If you see the Lex Express at a stop along the way, stop in and knock on the door and say hello to Lex Luger, by God. You know, get an autograph. Get your picture taken with the great Lex Luger. That's a great idea. I don't care. I'm sorry. That's that was a, a f- wonderful idea. I feel like there's and, a butt hanging. Well, the butt is the execution. Is we loaded up and, and there was a camera crew on the bus the entire time, documenting the entire ride the whole way. Um, promotional team, marketing people on the bus the whole time, and it was a nice bus too. I mean, it was, it was nice, very comfortable, nice back lounge, beds, whole nine yards. The caveat was we got on the bus and we made like spent two, three days on the bus and our talent didn't want to be on the bus. He wanted to stay at the Marriott. He wanted to take a plane to the next stop and meet the bus in the next town which kind of kills the idea of hitting all these small towns, doing a grassroots promotion and going out and touching all the people. And Lex wasn't the most uh, amiable guy in the world, especially at the time. He didn't really enjoy his fans. As a matter of fact, you know, the more that they gathered around and the more standoffish he was, he didn't want to be on the bus. He didn't want to go out and shake hands and kiss babies, which is the, what we wanted him to do, and right. which is what we had all talked about before we ever did it. How much do you think this bus cost? What do you mean? The bus itself or the yeah. tour itself? Okay, either, both. God, I don't know either, so I don't know why I asked <laughs> you asshole. that question. What an asshole. But, uh, you know, the the bus itself for the goodwill that we did, we did get a lot of PR out of it. We did hit a lot of towns. And again, I, I will defend that, that it was a cool idea till the day I die. Cause it was with the right guy. The counter to that 
is we had the old Andre van, which is the van that Andre the Giant used to travel around all across the country. Right. Which was an old customized van that they made big, giant captain seats for Andre and Arnie Skolan and Tim White to travel around the country. Right. We converted that into an old-timey hearse, and we it was the Undertaker and Paul Bear's hearse, and that went all around the country. Well, Undertaker and Paul Bear actually traveled in that. They, in between every single town, everything they did, they were actually in it. They loved it. They embraced it, and that worked. How did I not know about this? I've never even heard of that. Oh, it was it was awesome. It was really cool, and it was a great way for Taker to get in between towns. And the guy that drove the Lex Express, old Hank, he was the same driver for Undertaker. And I will never, I will never forget, you know, at the end of the Undertaker gig, and he came up to us and says, Boy, if y'all could have just done that bus thing with Undertaker, hell, that would have worked too. <laughs> Because he had so much fun with Undertaker and Paul Bear, and they right. actually did get out, do promotion, lived on the thing. Obviously, they stayed in hotels because it was just a van, but they traveled, they did everything, and, and they embraced it. Do you think this uh, Lex Express thing was an idea that was maybe uh, ahead of its time or behind its time? I, I mean, in my head, Cena would have smashed this. It would have oh. been, been phenomenal with him. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, Cena would have smashed it. A lot of guys would have smashed it. I think a lot of guys would have taken it and and run with it. In my opinion, it was simply the the talent involved and lack of enthusiasm, and, and it was a little bit of a feeling of entitlement that, again, had, had he embraced it, it would have been huge. So during that time... There were little things, you know, that, that came out in um, in Lex that maybe weren't visible before. That he's an you asshole? Know? Was an asshole? That. Okay. And, you know, his lack of willingness to do a lot of promotional things and, and jump into it and, and really immerse himself. And to be the guy. You got to get all in. You, man, you got you to gotta be all in. And it's a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week job. So let me ask this, you know, if we're looking at the roster at the time, you're saying a lot of guys would have smashed it. Anybody on that roster come out, you know, come to mind like, man, if we'd have did that with this guy, it would have got over. Well, Taker would have smashed it. Undertaker, Undertaker would have smashed it and did smash it when he had the same opportunity in a, you know, in a different way. But I mean, the red, white, and blue gimmick, the on the bus tour nationwide. He couldn't really do that with Bret Hart. Uh, you know what? I, I, Randy Savage would have smashed it. Okay, that's a great one. Randy Randy would have lived on it. Randy would have Randy would have driven everyone crazy with all the things that he would have come up with to do. I see the the guys, the marketing guys, and the promotion guys, and the video guys that were on the bus. Savage would have been working. He would have found a way to get twenty eight hours in that twenty four hours. I see. And he would he would have done it above and beyond. So the Lex Express is winding down now. We're heading into uh, SummerSlam. It's the big blow off. It's Yokozuna. There's a big confetti drop at the end of the show. 
confetti or balloons whatever it it is okay they're dropping stuff from the ceiling it's a big (laughs) celebration america SummerSlam. and lex doesn't win well he won you know what i mean he doesn't win the belt what the hell but he won okay so when it was the five arm it was that it was that loaded forearm with the steel plate and I love metal screws and all that stuff five arm i like that so let me ask the plan wasn't always for Yoko to retain. You guys changed it, right? What happened? We did. So tell us about what happened. Does that come out just from you saying, Hey, he's not our guy. He's not all in on this Lex express thing. We got to back up and punt on the survive on the SummerSlam finish. Essentially the, the audio, you, you got to listen to your audience and the audience wasn't necessarily buying Lex all the way. Right. Because the audience can tell the audience can tell somebody's genuine or if they aren't, if they're just playing a part or if they genuinely believe what they're doing out there. And the audience wasn't buying Lex. It just, they just weren't all in. It was kind of golf claps. So who would have been the guy in the meeting to say, I think we ought to rethink this finish. Would that have been Vince? Would that have been you or Pat? Or who is the first one who mentions it? Because in my head, you might be a little skittish about going against the grain with Vince in a meeting like that. No, not necessarily. When it was just the three of us, me, Vince, and uh, Pat, we weren't skittish about anything. We threw everything on the table. Even if it wasn't what we were thinking, per se, we'd say, hmm, hey, what if we did that? You know, what if we didn't do that? Just to play it out. So it wasn't always a, a deal where, yeah, fuck Lex Luger, you know, we want to, uh, he's not the guy. It was, you know, Yoko's doing a hell of a job. What if we didn't drop the title of Lex? What if we kept it on Yoko? It really put some steam on him. The guy who takes it off of him on down the road, whether it be Lex or Taker or Brett or whoever, man, they'll, they'll be made. But so who pitches Yoko that? Is that, you? that? Huh? Are you saying you pitched it? I don't know if I pitched it or not, um, but I'm saying that those pitches were made all the time. You, okay. you always tried to look at both sides of the equation. You always, no matter, you may have the plan to do one way, but you always looked at the other side. Let me make an analogy. When an NFL franchise spends a bunch of money and a first-round draft pick on what they believe to be the future at the quarterback position, they sort of feel an obligation to go with him just based on the money. So even if the, the backup, the older veteran, maybe has more experience, better has maybe has better timing or instincts or whatever, they'll still tend to go with the big money guy because they feel a sense of obligation because of the money. That didn't exist with Vince, even given his big contract that you are going to debate and say isn't real. Or He didn't have a guaranteed contract in the wrestling world. Well, e- either way, it, be that as it may, he d- they did spend a lot of money on this bus and this promotion. And so yes. now they're kind of invested in this. So he is essentially that young startup rookie first-round draft pick quarterback. And now it's totally okay in the meeting to say, hey, what if we just play the backup? What if we just go with who we had before we spent all this money? Yeah, you know why? Because we can. And that's the difference. 
the NFL, they're looking for results and they're looking for that young quarterback to deliver. And if he doesn't deliver, well, they've invested money that they have to pay regardless. In our world, if it's not working, we had the ability to change it and to turn on a dime. Do you if think the audience isn't buying it? You can go a different way. Do you think, given the decision that we the the the, the type of decision making rather we've seen recently with it almost becoming difficult to get Daniel Bryan in the main event at WrestleMania 30, and it becoming difficult to put the belt on Roman at 31. And then at 32, they still stayed the course and delivered Roman Reigns and Triple H, even though the fans weren't buying it. It seems as if this is a different Vince than existed at SummerSlam 93, where he just shifted gears. Is that fair to say? Not necessarily, because he didn't just shift gears. There was a lot of thought put into it. And again, I to say, oh, I had that idea to do that. Or Pat said, why don't we do this? We did explore every avenue. We looked at things and said, well, what if we did this? What if we did that? And when you got to the point of the decision, a lot of times Vince would go with his gut and make a decision at the last minute and say, you know what? That's not the way I'm going to go. And I changed my mind, damn it. And he could. He owned the company. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as flippant as that. It was more, there was discussion. There was a lot of talk about it. We, we played both sides of the coin and tried to do what if scenarios. Right. And Yoko was hot as a heel. Sure. And to take that title off of him at that time, that played into that decision as well. Lex not being as hot as he should have been also played into that decision. All right, so let's fast forward. Uh, We expect everyone who ordered the pay-per-view to celebrate with balloons and confetti that their American hero did not win the belt, and that's still somehow okay. But he won the match. Yeah, which is really, really special. So time passes, and (laughs) now it's the Royal Rumble. And so we go from August to January, and we didn't put the belt on him in August because we weren't sure he was over enough. So let's try it again. It's Royal Rumble. We do an interesting finish, the first one of its kind, I believe, where Brett and Luger seemingly touch at the same time. Why the decision here to involve him if you didn't think it was working four months before, had he heated up or they just needed a hot way to finish, uh, the Royal rumble and really put over Brett as an iron man at WrestleMania. A little bit of all the above. And Lex had kind of reached a point where, okay, maybe, you know, maybe this is working. Um, we did the deal at SummerSlam with the whole red, white, and blue and Undertaker with the flag yeah. inside of his coat. Ridiculous. Which the damnedest thing happened because after that Survivor Series, the next TV that we did and Taker was going to go out with Lex, somehow Taker's dog ate the lining of his jacket. I, it was just the damnedest thing. So... You know, if you saw it at Survivor Series, you saw it. But Lex, Lex turned the corner a little bit, and Lex was like that. Man, he could be the greatest guy in the world, do whatever he wanted him to do for... 
Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Three, four weeks. So did Taker have a personal issue with Luger or just thought that was corny? (laughs) <laughs> no, he just thought it was corny. So let me ask this. Um, you said, hey, this is working or not really working. I'm curious what that means from an office standpoint. When you guys are saying things like, hey, it's not working or it is working, what metrics are you looking at? You're not just looking at ticket sales. Are you also getting merchandising reports or what lets you know when something's working? I, I, I know online because – a lot of people on the internet still think it's 1998 and all that matters are the ratings, but there's a lot more to running a business than a television rating because you've got all these revenue streams. So my question to you is when you say, Hey, you know what? Maybe it is working a little better than we thought. What basis does that come from? All the above. Same thing. It, it does come from merchandise sales. It comes from ticket sales. It comes from when you are looking at quarter hours and you promote something, whether or not the audience stays with it and, t- or, and or more tune in. You, you have to take it all into consideration, and a lot of it's gut. A lot of it is just feeling. It's not standing behind the curtain and making decisions. It's going out and sitting in the middle of a crowd and listening to what the audience is talking about. So let me ask you this. In 93, you guys were breaking down quarter hours like that? That wasn't a Monday Night War thing? You were doing that before? We did, yeah. We we definitely looked at them. And we had them. You had it on cable. You didn't have it, per se, in syndication. But you had it on cable. And you could see. it. Well, we didn't live and die by the ratings by any stretch of the imagination at the time. Right. We did. We did. We cared about them. And we wanted to know what they were doing. When it wasn't as competitive, it wasn't as competitive. So it was more a way to gauge. If I put this guy here, what do they do? What do they do? What about, um, when we're talking about ticket sales, I've always been fascinated by this. How much of that really goes on the guy with the belt? Like, you know, he's a great guy. Personally. I like Kevin Nash a lot as a person. I think he's awesome. But people disparage his run and say, oh, he's the worst drawing champion in the history of the business, blah, blah, blah. If business is doing poorly or good, however it's doing, if Lex isn't in the top spot, how much credit does he really get for that? At that point, Yoko's the champ. Yoko may have been the, the, the belt doesn't mean anything. Championship doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything. The feature, the attraction, which is usually the baby face, is what's going to draw and going to sell your tickets. Who are they featuring when you look at an ad, when you listen to the promotion? Who are they coming to see? Are they coming to see that baby face win and be victorious? Are they coming to cheer that baby face on? And that's what you're looking at. And if you have somebody, whether they happen to be champion or not, 
and they're in the top spot and they're positioned in a way that all the advertising is behind them. They're in the main event. All the promos are drilling them and it doesn't draw. Then that's where you have to look. And again, that comes down to a feel situation too. Right. You got to look and you got to listen to your audience every night. Some places may be better than others, but it, it does come down to attraction. The, the championship never has, never will mean anything. It's the attraction. If you have an attraction with the title, Dusty Rhodes never needed to be champion. Right. He was an attraction on his own. Yeah, Jake Roberts didn't need to. Undertaker Jake Roberts, didn't really Piper need to. Didn't. Yeah. Undertaker didn't. Andre didn't. They were attractions, and they drew money. Some guys need the championship to help them draw money. And do you think at that point the conversation or the thought internally inside the inner circle was that Lex was doing okay, but maybe that belt would help make him? Without a doubt, yes. Okay. And and But the same conversation at the same time is taking place, well, what if we gave Brett another chance too? So why did Brett lose the chance the first time? I mean, business was flat and that was it? He didn't lose the chance. We had a really we had an anomaly in Yokozuna. Yoko was different. When when Yoko walked through the curtain, the audience went, "Oh." There was such a reaction to Yokozuna when Yoko first came out, and then when he would move in the ring, he was different. He was unique. And it was more, it wasn't, hey, Brett's blowing it. Brett's not drawn. It wasn't that. It was simply, we got something here in Yoko. Let's go with it. And maybe, you know, maybe Brett gets it on down the line. Then Lex came along. You know, again, that goes back to the business being able to change, being able to adjust on the fly. Well, um, Let's talk about now the Royal Rumble. Let's get back to it. Two guys hit at the same time. Who put, who pitches the idea of these three guys being on a collision course at WrestleMania? God, I, I again, I, I'm, I'm bad on the who's, but the, the idea was that we had three, you know, three hot guys, right? That, Okay, you know, what if we had done something that had never been done before? And that was the idea behind having the the guys have to work twice in one night to actually get the opportunity at the at the championship and stuff like that. So I think it was just one of those ideas that evolved that worked. And underneath, so you, you had to underneath I don't even remember what the hell we did with Lex after that WrestleMania. Because underneath we had Owen Hart, who was gaining steam, right? And you had the Owen Hart Bret Hart story that was really, I mean, really picking up steam. So I do know who Lex, Lex went with Yoko, but uh, that was gaining steam, and we thought, well, hell, if we do the deal with Owen beating Bret in the first match. He's got a victory over his brother, the champion. Right. He's he's going in ahead of the game. Everybody's I beat you. I know I can slam. beat you. You've never beaten me, Brett. I can beat you. And it was a natural program. 
and Lex and Yoko they'd seen before. But, okay, we can keep going with that. And this time, you know, Lex can beat him every night and kind of do the blow-off there. So you guys did a really cool thing with Owen, and uh, there were some plans that had to change for their Survivor Series match against Lawler. We'll get into another time. Um, But now we're at WrestleMania. We fast-forward a little bit, and there's this internet legend that a few days before Luger was in a bar spouting his mouth off about how he was going to be champ. Some newspaper ran a story that said that he was going to be the world champion and he was going to win it at WrestleMania. And then the plan changed. Luger denies that and says when people say that they saw him at the bar, he was not there. He was with his family in a hotel and he was not at this bar. What's the real story? I, I don't know if he's at a bar or not or, or, and or what was said or anything else. I do know that we did leave it up to the last minute and we specifically did not discuss what we wanted to do up until that weekend. So, and it was, and it was very, it was, it was a tight grill. I mean, I want to say that the only people that knew were maybe me, Vince and Pat for a long time. And we discussed it that weekend with other people, but it wasn't amongst the talent. I don't think they knew what the hell was going to happen. So to the point of was Lex told, Hey, you're going to win the title. And then told the weekend of, Hey, you're not going to win the title. I don't believe that ever happened. Well, uh, Luger says he was never promised the title. And so it was never a big deal to him. But there is this internet legend that some newspaper. Well, it's got to be true. So, as far as you know, you nor Vince nor anybody in the loop was privy to some story running in a newspaper that some reporter spouted his mouth off. Uh, I have no idea if that happened or not, but the um, yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> Could somebody have written a newspaper article and said that? Maybe they did, but, but it wasn't something you guys discussed. And it, and is it something that we would have changed a storyline? See, here's here's the great thing about that. So, so what the internet rumor is is that a newspaper article came out that Lex was going to win the world title. So what we did was we changed our plans for the whole rest of the summer, and all the stuff that we had already laid out because of this newspaper article. And we changed all of our business plans because somebody wrote an article saying Lex was going to be world champion. Sounds legit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, if, if people were to just apply logic to some of this, they, they would go, huh? You know, because it, that makes no sense. It's a business. We're planning ahead. We have millions of dollars writing on what we're going to do. We know what we're going to do. Key people people know, and key things are done, but they don't have to know. Not everybody has to know, well, what's the finish at WrestleMania? Right. They don't have to know the finish to do their jobs and to get all this done. So 
to say, oh, well, there was a newspaper article, so by God, we're changing everything. How nervous were you guys going to WrestleMania 10, but there's no Hogan on the card for the first time ever at WrestleMania? Truthfully, not. We really? were nervous. No, it was it was WrestleMania 10. It was 10-year anniversary. It was Madison Square Garden. It was a big deal. So it was... It was a big deal regardless Best match. of Hogan being there or not. Would it have been nice to have had him there? Sure. But I don't think that it was, oh, my God, what are we going to do without Hulk? Because the whole aura of the event, the 10-year anniversary, Madison Square Garden, New York City, it, it was a huge deal. Best uh, match on the card, Brett and Owen or Razor and Sean? Ty. I no. loved them both. Yeah, God, can't they, do that. They, yeah, pick one. They were both great. <sighs> Why are you doing to this? me? To me, I know you're probably say. Brett and Owen yeah. because it was Owen's emergence and it was such of a good story. Brett and Razor, unbelievable. One of the greatest, you know, probably the greatest ladder match ever. You mean I don't know who got pissed you, off with that? But you know, whatever. You mean Sean and Razor? What did I say? Brett and Razor. I beg your pardon, well, Sean and Razor. I mean, it's getting late in the night, so let's put a bow on this one. Before we do, though, uh, you know, since we're telling the Lex Luger story, we might as well put a bow on it. He shows up on Nitro. What's the scoop? The scoop is I was in Hong Kong, and uh, <laughs> prior to that, we were putting together a shoot for the Monday Night Raw opening. Right. A brand new shoot. We were going to shoot on top of the Titan Towers in Stanford, Connecticut. We had helicopters. We had just, it was a huge blowout, live band, all kinds of stuff going on. And up until that point, I'd made a list of everybody that we wanted in that opening. I left Lex Luger off of that list. And was summoned to the chairman's office. He wasn't the chairman at the time, but he owned the place. And was asked, why don't you have Lex on this? And I said, well, Lex hasn't signed his new contract. What happened between JJ and Lex, I don't know. Um, it's kind of one of those mysteries, if you will. Okay, hang on. But, what does but that Lex, mean? What? Huh? I haven't heard whatever. I don't know the rumors and innuendo about what you're talking about there. Well, there's, there's a couple different rumors and innuendo. And one is that Lex had a contract, right? His contract was coming up to expire before that September 11th date. Okay. We had a tape draw that night and we were shooting the open in Stanford. Uh, no, we, I beg your pardon. We weren't taped that night. We were preempted that night. So, Luger, his contract expired that Sunday, whatever it was, September 3rd, September 10th, whatever it was. And Lex hadn't signed his new deal and kept hemming and hawing with JJ. Allegedly, there was a discrepancy between dates and when his deal really expired and when it didn't. All I knew was that JJ was going nuts because Lex had not signed his deal. Well, it wasn't a matter of trust or untrust, but here we have our competitors right. who, who are going to go up against us live on Monday nights. 
And I got a guy that was being difficult to deal with at the time that hadn't signed his contract. So who do I want to work with in this group? Do I want to work with guys that are signed? Or do I want to bring a guy in that's hemming and hawing about signing his contract, make him a part of this million-dollar open that we're doing that we have to edit out if he doesn't sign? Or do I say, you know what? We're not going to make you a part of the open because you haven't committed to us that you want to be a part of our future. So we're not going to make you a part of our future in our open. Sign your deal. Hey, we'll bring you in and make you a big part of the open. I put Lex on the list to show up that night because I was asked to. I went to Hong Kong for vacation. And while I was in Hong Kong, I got a, um, in the middle of the night or the morning, whatever it was, got a message on the answering machine at my brother's house. Brucey, it's a Patrick. You never believe who showed up on the nitro. It's your buddy. It's the Luger. It's the Lex Luger. He showed up on the nitro. Oh, my God. And, um, yeah. So, Lex... Lex's contract expired one day and the next day he showed up at Nitro. So when that happens, you told me a famous quote from Mr. Patterson about Luger <laughs> and you, you conveniently left it out right there. His quote about him being uh, with WCW and not with you guys was fuck him. Let him have him. Something like that. He's their problem now. He's their problem now. Is what you told me once that made me laugh. It was, yes. So, I guess the real question is, what's Vince thinking? Did you ever hear what Vince's take on that? When, as far as he knows, he's going to be a part of the new Open, and he's going to be in the long-term plans, and he's working things out with JJ, and now this? Well, Vince, Vince thinks everything can be worked out. And Vince thinks, Vince takes, unfortunately, at the time, maybe he doesn't anymore, but Vince would take everybody at their word. And Lex would look him in the eye and say, Vince, I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you, man. No, JJ has this all screwed up. And Vince would go, damn it, JJ. Why have you screwed it up? JJ would look at Vince and say, Vince, I've done, done everything I can do. Lex won't sign it. That's not what he tells me. Right. And fix it. So he thinks everything can be fixed. So I think Vince was hurt personally that, you know. He would he, say he's with him and then not be with him. Yeah, but a lot of guys did that. Right. You know, you can go right down the list. How much longer, uh, this is a story for another time, and I'm sure it'll tee up another great one. How much longer after that conversation was JJ no longer with the company? Uh, not long. Okay. Not long. That seems like uh, a great. Hey, I, you know, I'll say this about JJ. JJ worked his ass off in that office, and he did all the things nobody else wanted to do. Yep. Especially me. And JJ did all the nitpicky stuff, great on detail, and JJ was the whipping boy. I'm I'm a, I'm a big uh, fan of Mr. Dillon and consider him a personal friend and. I can't wait to get your point of view about how all that went down. And I think we should save that for another episode 
of something to wrestle with here with Bruce Pritchard. Uh, I hope this was as fun for everybody else as it was for me. I have a blast doing this with you, Bruce. Nah, man, it's my pleasure. I love it. We can just do this all night. Well, for now, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode, but we want to hear from you. Listen, we need to get this Twitter, uh, Twitter handle out there. Uh, this show is free to you and we enjoy doing it for you, but we really would like for you to tell your friends to hit the subscribe button, rate us on iTunes. Five stars never hurt nobody. Uh, even, even Bruce likes star ratings all of a sudden. And how about this? This is a big one. Throw us a follow on Twitter. Uh, it's at Pritchard show. And, uh, I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but there's no T in Pritchard. Come on, get with the program. Exactly. And you know what we might even do is, is I might find something here in my office to, to maybe give away, to entice some folks to, to leave some reviews. I like it. We pulled that gimmick on the Rick Flair show and it was very successful. So always uh, stolen from the best. Hey, I'm, I'm with it. I love this idea. We're going to come up with a fun contest for you guys next week. Don't miss next week. You already know what it's going to be. Now it's about the ultimate warrior. Uh, two weeks ago, we covered WrestleMania four to five when the mega powers exploded next week, we're going to cover the ultimate warriors run from WrestleMania six, WrestleMania seven, and what happened beyond Don't you miss it next week. Something to wrestle with. What happened when the ultimate warrior got the push? We'll see you then. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.